God, that we would live a life that is, um, is just in gratitude to you, Father, that would be in step with your spirit, uh, Father, that would be glorifying to you, uh, God, that, um, that we, can make, uh, we can make your, um, your kingdom uh, what you would have it to be, Father, that um, we could be unified in you. Uh, Father, we pray for those who are sick. Father, we pray that your hand would be there, uh, that you would bless them, that your will would be done in those situations, God. If your will is for healing, Father, we pray that you would heal them. Uh, Father, and if it's not for healing, Father, that you would give comfort to them, uh, to their loved ones. Uh, Father, would you give them uh, just an extra measure of faith just to see the way that you're working, Father. Uh, we pray for our church. We pray for um, just the leadership here. Father, we pray as we continue to search for a minister, God, that you would, you would bless us with the right person, uh, that he would be um, a man after your heart. Father, a man that is devoted to you and to your, to your word. Uh, God, and I just pray that you would help us to, to find that person. Um, I pray for those who are traveling, uh, the group that's coming home from Winterfest. God, that you would be with them on the road. Uh, give them a safe trip home. And thank you for that, uh, that trip. Thank you for the ability to go, uh, Father, and to learn about you, to grow closer, and to uh, just to get deeper into you, Father, into the knowledge of you. And just pray that you would be with our service. Pray that you would be with Dave this morning, God, that you would bless him with your word, uh, that you would bless him with the things that he's studied, uh, Father, and the things that you have shown to him, that he can uh, present those things to us. Uh, Father, again, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life. In Christ's name, amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I have a scripture. If you can read that, great. If you, if you want to follow along, uh, it's Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and, I will, and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. 
You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Worthy, you are worthy, King of kings, Lord of lords, you are worthy, worthy, you are worthy, King of kings, Lord of lords, I worship you. Great. 
morning. Our scripture reading this morning will be from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I, I carried you into exile. Hello, everybody. Morning. Uh, as I read uh, Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14, it it, uh, it brought some specific things to mind. And uh, first of all, uh, great are you, Lord. Uh, thanks for all the prayers and cards. Uh, they're helping. My numbers are good. Uh, thanks for the prayers and the continued prayers for the members of our prayer list. Uh, may we pray that we continue to call on God uh, to give us plans for the future. May we pray that we can seek and find God through our prayers and that we can seek with him with all of our hearts. And may we pray for the Lord's divine wisdom because he knows what's best for us. May we pray that we may always feel God's presence constantly throughout the day. And thank you, Jamie, and the elders, deacons, and the Sunshine members uh, for filling this church full of love and giving us what we need as we do to God as we go about to do God's bidding. Forever, 
Supper.
Good morning. As we uh, take a few minutes here and, and uh, prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I'd just like to read a, a passage of Scripture from the Gospel of John to help us uh, get our minds right. I'm going to just uh, read a few verses, but I'm going to start with uh, verse 1, uh, John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. While it was still dark, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, uh, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple whom had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again, from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes. And then later in the chapter, starting in verse 26, Jesus has some communication here with Thomas, which we're, we're all probably familiar with. It says, After eight days again his disciples were inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came the doors, having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it in my side, and, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are the ones who did not see and yet believed. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Death couldn't hold Jesus. He conquered physical death, and at the same time conquered spiritual death uh, for all of us. And... Uh, you know, unlike Thomas, uh, we weren't physically there. Um, we're one of the ones that uh, have to believe based on the evidence left behind. And uh, that's what he's asked us to do. And uh, as we think about these things, um, let's just remember the importance of, of uh, what Christ did for each one of us, the impact it has on our lives, and, and really how it should change our lives and, and our thinking and, uh, and really shape... Uh, the direction we take each day when we live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are eternally grateful for you taking care of our sin problem. We're thankful that you have the love that you were willing to allow your son to come from heaven and uh, put on flesh and, and uh, live as we do. Uh, he did it. Uh, perfectly without sin 
and then ultimately became the perfect sacrifice and, and paid the debt that, that we all uh, would have owed. We're thankful for that. We're thankful that he gave his body. As we're about to partake of the bread which represents his body, we pray that uh, each one of us can wipe away just all the worldly thoughts that we uh, struggle with each day and are challenged with. And just uh, for a few minutes here, uh, focus on this. We pray that it will be a time where we can recenter um, you know, our minds and uh, lead us uh, into a new week uh, serving you the best we possibly can. In Christ's name, amen. When the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Corinthians, um, one of the things that he wrote to him about is that he was having some struggles uh, as it involved the partaking of, of his communion on the first day of the week. And so he, he addressed several things there. We're not going to go into all those, but one of the things that he mentioned was, was two very simple words, examine yourselves. And uh, those are two easy words to, to say. Uh, there are two words that are easy to understand, but there are two words that are very difficult, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, to carry out into action. And that, that's what really matters. And it requires a lot of um, self-reflection, uh, honesty, um, Admission that uh, we don't have it all together, even though a lot of times we want to act and think like we do. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we truly examine ourselves, which he's called us to do today, and, and we can actually, it would be good to do it every day, we all have things to work on. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we, we probably have done this wrong. It's, you know, we, we, we get embarrassed. We don't want to share things like that. But... Uh, you know, if I read the New Testament like I think I do, rather than beating each other up over things like this, we should be encouraging and helping each other to do better in each of those things. You know, and there, there's all kinds of things. I'll just give you one for me. James tells us to be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I've got to work on that. 
amongst a list of a lot of other things probably. Um, I, I would bet that if we uh, ask Wayne at his uh, young age of 80-something, are you still working on things, I bet I know what his answer is. He's nodding his head up and down already. So um, this should be a positive. It shouldn't be a negative. It should be things that hopefully we can share with people and work together on. And then the good thing that we all know is, is that if our hearts are right and we're truly doing this and our intent is right, that's where, when the results aren't always what we want them to be, that's where grace steps in. So it's nice to know that as we're, as we're dedicated to God's way, that God sees the results as perfect. And that's very difficult for us as people to understand because that's not the way our world works Monday through Friday. At least it doesn't work that way for me. But that's the way God works. So I want you to dwell on these things, the importance of them, and, and the joy. Just knowing that should bring to our lives. And uh, I pray that we all including myself, will allow that to mold us and change us um, every day as we live and as we interact with people around us. Let's pray. Father, we all fall short. You already know that. We're just admitting that to you. And I think uh, that's healthy and good. Father, as you think about what Jesus did for each one of us, the blood that was shed which cleanses us from our sins, Father, help that recognition and realization to free us. To free us to live your way, to love more, uh, to strive to be more like Jesus, to be more forgiving uh, when others wrong us, and just allow us to have the life of peace and joy that you truly intend. And help us to have it in a greater way than we have in the past as we strive to, to be with you. And we know one day, Father, this will all come together and it will be perfect. And those struggles will be behind us. But, Father, we pray that your spirit will guide us each day as we live. And as we reflect right now on Jesus' sacrifice that, that makes this all possible, uh, just help us to be all thankful for that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
all stand with me for the next couple songs. Worthy Lord, my Lord is worthy, worthy now of praise. Worthy Lord, my Lord is worthy, worthy now of praise. And holy Lord, my Lord is holy, holy now and just. Holy Lord, my Lord is holy.
us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountains peace belong to Him. The sea is His, He made it. And his hands formed the dry land. And his hands formed the dry land. All right, we're going to use this song to um, dismiss the kids of their class and then before Dave's lesson this morning. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, my tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands forever alone. Good morning, sunshine. Good morning. Uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk with you this morning. And I want you to know I fully, with all my heart, believe that God guides us. God guides every one of us. I want you to know, I thank you, Jeff, for what you said at the uh, communion. If I would have handed Jeff a copy of my sermon, he couldn't have said anything more appropriate to what I have to say this morning. And I believe that, that God does that. God is amazing. This morning, I want to talk about, continue to talk about what uh, Jamie's been talking about, be real. 
He's been talking about it with relation to the uh, fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to take just a little bit different tact on it this morning, and I call it looking for a real Christian life. And, and Jeff so, so went along this direction. When you think of your life in Christ, when you think of what you do for Christ, when you think what is Christ to you, what do you feel in your heart? What do you want from your Christian life? What do you want from God? What do you want and desire? And where are you going with your Christian life? I think sometimes our Christian life is not real to us. Uh, just, like, just like Jeff was talking about. Sometimes it's just not real to us, our Christian life. And I want you to think about that this morning as we, as we think here together. Um, I did a Jamie. I forgot the clicker. Did somebody get the clicker for me? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a little overwhelmed this morning. The first verse I'm going to talk about is uh, Jeremiah, uh, the, the reading this morning, and I'll go ahead and start reading it while they're finding the clicker. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back Thank you. I will, fill, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope for, and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you. I will gather you from the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. This is a letter from Jerusalem, uh, from the prophet Jeremiah to the exiles that had been taken into captivity. He had told the, the people to live your lives there. God has taken you into captivity. This is part of the punishment. And he says, live your lives there. Build houses there. Raise families. And he said, pray for the land. Pray for the city. Pray for uh, everything there because this is where you're going to be for these 70 years. But at the end of those 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to seek him with all our heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When the exile is over, God's instruction is, seek me. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we see that several times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. This is what God encourages us to do, is to seek him, look for him. 
in the message, it says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I just thought the message had a really good take on that verse. Get serious about it. Want it more than anything else. So this morning, we're going to talk about three people who had to face, who had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Now, you're probably all wondering why I brought the chair up here this morning. It's not for me to sit in. These three people had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. This morning, I want you, each one, to imagine Jesus is sitting here. I want you to have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus this morning. I want you to be honest with yourself. I can't stand up here and, and say what any of you are thinking. I can't say what any of you think about your Christian life. But Jesus does. Jesus knows. So I need us to be real this morning and seek that real Christian life. The first person to have an encounter that we're going to talk about with face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus is the Samaritan woman in John 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. So what was wrong here? What was, what was wrong with this picture? Well, first of all, the woman was coming at noon. Now, normally, if you had to go out and do something it, during the day, would you do it, you know, something you was going to have to exert, you know, she's going to carry water back to her house. If you was going to do something that you was going to have to exert yourself on, would you wait till the heat of the day to do that? No, probably not. It's normally done in the morning. Also, she was alone. There was nobody there to help her, nobody with her, nobody even being with her to keep her company. Well, she was probably not one of the, the most well-liked people in the community because we know how she had lived. Also wrong with this is a Jewish man was talking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus, a Jew, was asking a woman of Samaria for help. Well, the Jews didn't, didn't really associate with the Samaritans. They, they considered them dogs. They considered them half-breeds. They just didn't have anything to do with them. But here's Jesus talking to this woman. The woman didn't know Jesus. She apparently had no idea who he was. The woman was not looking at this point, for a Messiah. She wasn't looking for anything except to draw some water to take back to her house. She was just getting water. 
Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus, of course, knew who he was talking to. He knew exactly her life. He knew everything about her from the very beginning. But he does not look down on her. He, looks, he doesn't look down on her as a woman or as a Samaritan. Jesus treats her as one valued by God. And Jesus offers her living water. He offers her a better life. He offers her God. And that's exactly what Jesus sitting here offers us. Whether we're looking or not, he is offering us life. He is offering us a relationship with him. He's offering us a relationship with God. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in him a living, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus offers her eternal life. Jesus offers her a relationship with God. She still doesn't quite get it because she's still thinking of not having to come draw water. But Jesus is drawing her in. Jesus will draw us in. Jesus wants us to come to him. Jesus wants us to have that relationship with him. Jesus wants us to be close to him and close to God. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Jesus asked her to inspect her life. He knew, but he asked her to inspect her life, to look at her life and to see what she was doing and how she was living. But notice, Jesus does not condemn her. Even though what she was doing was not right, Jesus does not condemn her. Jesus asks us to inspect our lives. Jesus, sitting right here, asks us to look at our life and see what we're doing how we're doing it. Are we living for him? Are we living the way we should be? And he doesn't condemn us either. He asks us to change. He asks us to be better in him. He asks us to have a closer relationship to him. 
Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of the worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman here asks about the basics, the surface parts of religion. Are we supposed to worship here, or are we supposed to worship there? She's just looking at the surface. She's not looking deep down. But Jesus points to true worship. He says the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. He points to true dedication, that these are the people that, that God seeks. And he points to true devotion to God, real devotion to God. These, and it really jumps out to me when it says they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God seeks worshipers who think only about him, who think in this way that we need to be thinking, to think God is our Father, God guides us, God wants to have a relationship with us. He seeks true worshipers. And Jesus asks us to be those true worshipers. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus, declare, Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. She knew the Messiah was coming. She knew at least a little bit of the scriptures to know that the Messiah that God's Savior was coming. And Jesus said, I am the one. The Jesus that's sitting here wants to have a face-to-face -face relationship, a face-to-face -face meeting with you. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. The woman was so excited that she left her water jar. Now that's, that's not good because water jars are important, probably very expensive. But she just left it and said, I got to go tell people. And she told others. And she believed. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Many others believed because of what she said. Many others believed 
because of her experience and how she related that to others. Because Jesus looked into her life, she proclaimed him. They believed him to be the Savior. Jesus looked into her life. Jesus will look into our life. He will help us to see where we need to change, how we need to be better. He wants us to be better. He doesn't condemn. He wants us to be better. He wants us to live closer to him in every way. So when we look at the Samaritan woman, she was not looking. She just went to, to draw water. But she was open to his teaching and believed. The Samaritan woman was not looking, but she found. She found Jesus. The second person we want to look at is Nicodemus. And we're going to look in John 3 as we talk about Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay, Nicodemus, a Pharisee. He was also a member of the G Jewish ruling council. I mean, he was not just any Pharisee. He was a ruler. He was a ruler of the, of the Pharisees. He came at night. This would say that he probably didn't want to be seen coming to Jesus. He had questions. He had thoughts. He, he was looking. Nicodemus was looking. He came at night looking but questioning. And it's interesting here when he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. I wonder sometimes who he's talking about when he says we. Because maybe there were some other ones that were like this. But when I think about him talking about we, he is talking about the truth-seeking Jews. The Jews, the Pharisees, whoever, who wanted to know about Jesus, who wanted to know the truth. The truth-seeking Jews. So Nicodemus was looking. Let's see what he found. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Born again. Jesus said Nicodemus must be born again. Born of the Spirit. He has to have his thinking changed. Changed from thinking about self thinking about God, 
changed from thinking about how the Pharisees viewed religion to how God looks at religion. God wants us to change as well. He wants us to be born into the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus answered. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Nicodemus was truly, truly looking. He was truly trying to understand. And Jesus chastised him because he was thinking narrowly. He was not thinking, he was not opening his, his mind up to what Jesus and God was trying to tell them. He was really trying to figure out what it means for his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they do not believe in the name of God's one and only Son. God is looking for people that seek him, for people who believe what he has to say, for people who take action in their lives and change their lives, for people who want to know how to follow him. Jesus and God are looking for those people. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The light, Jesus, came into the world. Jesus, who's sitting here, wants to have us as part. He wants to, us to choose him. But the people must choose. The people must choose to live in the light or live in the darkness. We have that choice. Jesus gives us that choice. We can live however we want, absolutely however we want. Jesus wants us to live a certain way. Jesus and God wants us to be part of them. Now, as time goes along, we see that this made a difference in Nicodemus' life. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees. This is in John chapter 7, verses 45 through 52. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in, talking about Jesus? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the disciples retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. 
Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does the law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. It made a difference in Nicodemus' life. He's not yet fully acknowledged his belief to others because he was still in the ruling council. He hadn't been thrown out of the ruling council. But he was gaining his voice. Notice what it says. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, one of their own number of the Pharisees, but was believing, maybe one, maybe he's saying here also, one of their own number of the Christians. He speaks out for Jesus. He's gaining his voice. And then later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, jo Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. When Pilate, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. Nicodemus was convinced. He was now convinced that this Jesus who he was talking to was the Savior. So as we think about Nicodemus, Nicodemus was looking. He was looking for life. He was looking for the Messiah. And he found him. The last one we're going to talk about, the last person that had a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus was the rich young ruler. The last one we're going to talk about. A lot of people had that face-to-face -face with Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, we read, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. This ruler was looking. He was looking. He wanted to know what Jesus was, what Jesus had. He wanted to know about the life of Jesus. Did he find it? No, he didn't. Why? Why didn't this man find what he was looking for? First of all, he was satisfied with his current life. He was satisfied with exactly how he was living. He was satisfied. Second, he did not want to give up his life that he had. He didn't want to give up everything he had. He didn't want to give up the things that were important to him. And third, 
he did not want to change. He did not want to be different. He was looking, but he did not find. What would you say to Jesus this morning? Jesus is sitting here. What would you say to Jesus this morning? And what would Jesus say to you? Both of those questions are important. No, he's not condemning you. No, he's not saying, you're wrong. He wants us to draw close to him. He wants us to be a part of him. The Samaritan woman was not looking, but she found. He told me everything I ever did. You know what? Jesus can tell you everything you ever did. With him sitting here, he knows every single thing you've ever done. He knows your heart. He knows what you want. And in his heart, he wants you. Nicodemus was looking, and he found Jesus. He found belief. Even though he was a Pharisee, even though he was a ruler, he found. The rich young ruler, he was looking, but he didn't find because he didn't want to change. He said, I want to hang on to my life. So this morning, the question is yours. I can't see what's in your heart. Jesus can. What do you want when you think about your life in Christ? When you think about religion, what we generally call religion, what do you think about? What do you feel? What do you want? And where are you going? The lesson is yours for whatever you want to do with it. This morning, if you feel like you need help of the elders, if you need the prayers of the congregation, we ask you to come forward and, and sit here and the elders will talk to you and we'll, we'll help you in any way we can. If you've not become a Christian, if you've not owned Christ, if you've not put him on in baptism, then we ask you to come now as we stand and sing. Thank you.
received a bulletin on your way in. I'll highlight a few things here. First of all, we, we've got a group that's on their way back from Winterfest, so this, uh, they have a safe journey back today. We'll be hearing some stories about them. I hope they all had a good time and, and uh, have grown closer to God with that opportunity there. Uh, invite you back tonight at 6 and Wednesday at 7, and uh, we'll continue our, our worship. So. Uh, on our prayer concerns there, our prayer list, uh, I didn't have any other updates in there. I, I do understand that Eugene's probably coming home Tuesday, so that's great news there. We praise God for that. So Eugene will be on his way home this week, so continue to remember uh, a family in your prayers as he continues to, to heal and recover there. So, Any other updates on our prayer concerns? Okay. Uh, the elders' prayer session will be this Thursday, so if you have any prayer concerns, uh, just give it to one of us. We'll be making our calls. Uh, our uh, guest speaker will be here on uh, March the 12th, John Paul Suchecki. He'll be here uh, in the morning and evening. We'll be having a fellowship dinner, so mark your calendars for that, and, uh, and we'll be having a good time there. Uh, the home groups are the 19th through the 15th of April. We've got about five or six homes back there, at least before church we did. Uh, if you'd be willing to help out with that, uh, please please do. Please sign up on that. And we've got our material, too. If you look there on the right-hand side, there's a box there. The uh, series this time is, uh, uh, is entitled One at a Time Video Series. And just kind of a little sneak peek there. It says, the, une the unexpected way that God wants to use you to change the world. How does God want to use you to have an impact? Most of us don't want to spend our lives being time wasters, or space takers, binge watchers, or game players. We want to be difference makers. So that gives you a little hint of what we're going to be talking about in a home group. So we, we hope everybody signs up for that and participates in that. Uh, back there on the window is our contact information update. We're just trying to get that all updated. So feel free to, to mark that or add something or, or uh, correct anything that might be wrong there. So we can, uh, and please include your email address. We, if you'd like to have that on there as well. 
VBS is coming up June the 19th through the 23rd. So mark your calendars for that. It'll be here before you know it. The uh, item for the Midwestern this month is fruit and pudding cups, so bring those in and put them back there. Let's see, I think that's about it. Uh, is there anything else that needs to be mentioned that maybe I overlooked? All right. Uh, thank you, Dave, for a very good lesson. I really appreciate your lesson and for all the guys that served this morning. Uh, that verse there in Jeremiah but says, you know, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, my mind kind of went to a little different place this morning when that verse was read. That's always been one of my favorites. But about three years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go hunt antelope out west, out in South Dakota with, with Donnie. And, uh, you know, growing up around here and hunting my whole life, you hunt out of a tree stand. You just sit and you wait. Well, those of you that's maybe hunted uh, elk or mule deer or antelope out west, that's a whole different ballgame out there. It's wide open prairies, hundreds and thousands of acres of just prairie grass, far as the eye can see. Some of the places we hunted, there wasn't even a tree. You can't even see a tree. So the way they hunt out, out west is spot and stalk method. So that seek me and find me, you know, that's kind of ringing in my head. So what we would do, we would drive a truck out on some gravel road, dirt road, and you'd sit and you had binoculars and you would just comb the entire area as much as you could see. And then uh, our guy we were hunting with, he had like a spotting scope, a very, very powerful scope. So you sit and you just look and then you see, okay, there's a, there's a herd of uh, eight or 10 or 12 antelope out there farther than your naked eye can see. So you would get as close as you could in a truck and then you would, you would start walking and you would walk and you would walk and you would walk in sagebrush. And then when you would get within several hundreds of yards, you'd have to get down on your hands and knees and crawl because you don't want to spook these things because they have very good eyesight. So, you know, it, it took effort. It took some diligence. And there's, you know, little cacti down in the sagebrush that would stick you and all this stuff. And then you would finally get, and we were archery hunting, so you had to get very close. So you would get within 100 yards or less, and you, were, you would pop up where they were just in time to see them bouncing taking off. In a matter of seconds, they was a mile away again, and you do it again. So after four or five days of that, you start getting wore out. So my point is that verse there about seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, it takes diligence, it takes commitment, it takes work in our Christian life, just like it does if you're hunting out west. It takes effort, and uh, the re rewards are great, the payoff is great, but it, you don't just stumble, you just don't stumble across those things. It doesn't just happen. You have to put forth some effort. So anyway, thanks, Dave. I really appreciate your lesson. So uh, if you would, stand with me, and we'll have a word of prayer, and enjoy your afternoon. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the good weather, the sunshine. Thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would go with us as we leave here. I pray that we would take you with us wherever we go. I pray that we would be the light and the salt that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for this congregation. You would continue to guide us, direct us in your ways, help us to do your will at all times. Father, I pray for those on our prayer list. You would give a special blessing and comfort to them, especially be with Eugene. We thank you for the the progress he's made, I ask you to continue to be with him and Janet and the family and watch over them. Father, we thank you for all the answered prayers you give us each and every day. Lord, we are a very, very blessed uh, group of people, Lord, and we pray that we would just uh, always be thankful and grateful. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for his, uh, his seeking us, Lord, by giving his life on the cross. And Lord, we pray that we would live it out each day. We would share it with others. 
Help us, Lord, to love you more. Help us to uh, strive to do your will. Forgive us when we fall short, and help us to love each other. Go with us this day, and we pray this, and we give thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.